by Riverside. Hello, thanks for tuning in to Matcha Mornings with Hannah. I'm Hannah. I'm Johnny. And I am Hilary. We're going to be your hosts for today, um, and today we're going to be talking about genetically modified organisms, also known as GMOs. We're going to talk about what the definition is, what it's used for, the mechanisms, kind of debunking the myths and facts, and kind of see where the conversation takes us, really. So, yeah. We can get started off on the intro, talk about what genetically modification is and how it's different from selective breeding. Um, So genetic, or according to McEwen from 2000, um, it it started in the early 1970s when American scientists Herb Boyer and Stan Cohen developed recombinant DNA, or gene splicing methods, in which the fragments of DNA are joined together to create a new genetic combination. And so this DNA technology allows the transfer of genes from one organism to another, even across the usual species barrier faced by conventional breeders. And so like when you're breeding a dog, you know, that is done through sexual breeding. You know, you're putting them together or you're putting the sperm and the embryo together, and that's only within that species. But for GMOs, it's different from selective breeding because it kind of breaks that barrier of selective breeding of selective of um sexual reproduction yeah 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 it it breaks that barrier of the species you can get traits from a a strawberry plant and put it in an apple or something like that along those lines Mm -hmm. and also it's um i you know there's no much more like room for chances so if you do genetic modification you get the trait what you exactly want if you're doing selective breeding it's you know you might have the trait you're looking for that might be too recessive to actually you know come up so it's definitely more certain to get yeah yeah so there's more certainty and it takes less time for selective breeding you have to I don't know. I feel like you have to make sure that the trait generations and generations generations of doing that in order to have your desired traits. Mm-hmm, so exactly. For example, with the dog species, we are like you don't call them species, do you? Like Breed? yeah, dog breeds that we have right now, like to get them into this state that they are took like hundreds of years, while you know, if we, for example, we talk about bacteria that we have, you know, genetically modified, it's just, you know, one click. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I mean, obviously, it's not fair to compare bacteria to dogs because bacteria does, you know, go through their life cycle way quicker than a dog does. But it's just more simple. Not, not more simple, but more quicker, definitely. Right. And with uh, sexual selection... Um, you you can't really breed for a trait that doesn't exist in that species. Um, yeah, so if you want, you can breed for like the highest performing traits that exist within the species. But if you want something that isn't already um, present in the gene pool. So you're saying I can't put apples and oranges together? <laughs> I'm saying you couldn't. <laughs> 
breed two apples and make an orange. Okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, Halari, could you tell us what GMO is used for? Why would someone use, you know, apply genetic modification on a plant or animal? So definitely to get a desirable trait for that organism. For example, in plants, you can make the plant uh, to yield more, to have more produce, uh, or ha live through a quicker life cycle, be more resistant to train, uh, to droughts. In animals, it can also, you know, the life cycle can be shortened, um, you know, more excess meat or fat or less fat in the animal as well. It's probably possible to do. Also, for example, uh, if you go again back to bacteria, I just love bacteria. In the way how we actually make insulin for people with diabetes, we, uh, we modified the E. coli bacteria by using genetic modification to produce so that the bacteria would produce insulin for us. Wow, that's super interesting. Yes, and it has it has many different ways how the why it why it is done and why it, how it and how it is done. And that penicillin was actually the first GMO, right? It's insulin, not penicillin, but oh, yes, we gotta cut that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, and now we're gonna hand it off to Johnny, and he's gonna talk about how GMO is done and what it actually is. Thank you, Hannah. Well, yeah, to put it simply, um, with, with genetic modification, um, you're sort of editing a genome, um, taking DNA from one organism and putting it into uh, another organism. You can sort of see that in the name of a genetically modified organism. Um, another way that it's different from selective breeding is that um, you're actually editing the genome um, of a living organism and not creating a new organism through breeding. Mm -hmm. But um, with genetic modification, uh, you can sort of insert a, a gene into a virus that will infect almost uh, the DNA of the new organism and then from there grow that organism um, to yield that new trait. Wow. No, thank you. Um, I think I also heard a story of uh, where they took a gene from a fish that was like cold resistance and put them into strawberries. Mm -hmm. So the strawberries would be also cold, more cold resistant. So I guess those strawberries wouldn't be very vegan anymore, would they? <laughs> <laughs> no, and we can transition into kind of the myths and facts now that you've brought up what GM or the mechanisms of GMO and now you talking about species intersection between plants and animals. Um, what are some different opinions or myths um, that are around or that you know of or that you've heard of that you would like to say isn't true? Well, there's some some very uh, radical ideas about GMOs um, that I think sort of naturally occur when 
a new technology um, pops up. And, well, another uh, one myth to start is that GMOs are new. Um, and as Hilari stated, insulin um, was first made quite a while ago, I believe, um, maybe the 1960s. That's totally off the top of my head. And, and our fact checker will be on that in a moment. Um, it was actually 1921. No, I'm, that's a lie. No, GMO started in 1970. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was actually 1978. Okay, 1978. Hannah knew the answer the whole time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, there are some pretty radical um, myths out there. For example, um, GMOs will make you gay or um, make you infertile. Both, neither of those have any scientific backing, um, and and I think we we sort of see like radical ideas like that um, with like, for example, the COVID vaccine. People are just unsure of what it's gonna do in the future, so they come up with these crazy like myths and ideas. Um, some other myths about GMOs, um, a little bit less radical, but still making sense um, due to just uncertainty around GMOs, um, is that pregnant women shouldn't consume GMOs. Um, I mean, they tell that to every, <laughs> they tell that about everything to pregnant women. I think the only thing that those people can consume is, you know, <laughs> organic things and uh, paracetamol. <laughs> That's about that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So there's there've been myths that GMOs will change the DNA sequence um, of a consumer or a consumer's um, child that they are bearing. Yeah, which is just not true. No scientific backing at all. Some other myths uh, about GMOs sort of revolve around their environmental impact. Um, a lot of people think that GMOs are bad for the environment, um, when in a lot of cases they can be um, good for the environment. Some some genetically modified organisms make it so you don't have to till as much. Some genetically modified organisms are more resistant to certain insects um, and diseases, meaning that they don't need um, certain pesticides sprayed on them to keep them safe from pests. And herbicides as well. Yes, and herbicides. So, but what are like the general ideas that people have that how uh, how do gmos like affect environment negatively some organisms are also modified to need less fertilizer or i guess just produce a stronger yield and thus need less fertilizer um so with that you're getting less nitrogen and phosphorus um in our waterways and going down making algal blooms um, and affecting aquatic life um, in our watersheds. Yeah, so there, 
would be a lower dead zone in the areas where the rivers are dumping into, let's say, the Gulf of Mexico. You know, less fertilizers in the waterway, therefore biodiversity is able to bloom a little more with less algal blooms. <laughs> um, but thank you for that, Johnny. Um, that was super that was super good. Um, <laughs> now we're going to talk about um, the ethical aspects and kind of the positives and negatives of genetically modified organisms. Um, you know, there are a lot of myths that are flying around, but also we kind of wanted to see um, kind of the pros and cons of genetic modification. Um what I would like to get started off with, Hilari, is um, talking about genetic pollution. So genetic pollution um, in its core means that there are plant seeds that there are plants that are genetically genetically modified and if they if their pollen gets to their like non-genetically modified counterpart parts, it can create um, it can create like this super super crop that might not be good for environment it can you know how to say conquer you know be invasive and all of that it's uh, actually has happened before uh, this example is with uh, animals that happened in norway with salmon uh, where the genetically genetically modified salmons got out of their um, their their breeding places, and after that, they the Norwegian government was paying huge amount of uh, amounts of money to uh, the fishers to try to catch all those genetically modified fish because if they had um, paired with the natural um, population, it had caused um, like co crossbreed that is not actually. Survive, able to survive in the nature because the, it, it needed so many more uh, nutrients to get to adult food. Yeah, and I'd like to quote Gene Watch. He is a researcher and he put out this paper in 2003 um, and it's on genetic pollution or talking about genetic modification and kind of the cons of it. And so one of the things he said is genetic pollution um, I quote, genetic pollution is another risk where pollen travels by wind and fertilizes neighboring cops, uh, crops, <laughs> thus contaminating other crops and their seed supply. There is no legislation relating to economic liability to protect farmers whose crops are contaminated by genetic modification. And so we can't really dictate where the wind blows these seeds or pollens that um, have these, quote, terminator gene um so these are genetically modified to not reproduce seeds so a lot of the energy from growing the plant goes into the actual product um but this affects that is problematic in its own self as well um the terminator terminator seeds are Cause, causing a lot of turmoil actually in the 
in the farmer communities. So the farmers are forced to buy new seeds every planting season instead of being able to save and store and replant them. And uh, one of the most famous companies that is doing that is Monsanto. So uh, this is like huge problem, especially in developing countries, because farmers want to use those seeds because, you know, you don't have to use pesticides pesticides so much. So it is actually cheaper for them. Also, the yielding is so much bigger, so it's much more desirable seed. But if you have to buy it every single every single planting season that gets very expensive and also the farmers are starting to rely on Monsanto like way too much making them vulnerable in that sense so Monsanto can basically bring up the prices as high as it wants and like nobody can really do about anything about that and that has actually been an issue in the past they have been going a little bit too greedy yeah, and so um, a positive of genetic modification, I would like to mention, as Hilari said earlier, that they can be drought resistant. Johnny mentioned how they are, um, they don't need as much fertilizer, herbicides, or pesticides, therefore causing less impact on the environment. Um, but one of the concerns of genetic modification are the long-term impacts of consuming genetically modified foods for humans. Um, and But the thing is that these foods or a lot of these crops are being put in third world countries such as um, Kenya where they have genetically modified corn where the corn itself is drought resistant so it doesn't need as much water as regular corn um, but and there's a concern that this corn might negatively impact the human health but there's a famous quote by um, researcher salmon from 2002 he's said should people die of hunger now or eat genetically modified foods and die later so that is a very hot topic that not a lot of people have touched on recently um but i thought i'd throw that in there just because i thought i like read that in a review article and i thought that was super interesting yeah but uh, this does raise raise this question indeed so should we die of hunger or gmos later i mean my personal opinion is if the Earth's population of humans keeps growing. Genetically, genetically modifying our food is the only way how we can actually produce enough food for all of us, especially healthy food. And that is, you know, that has less effect in the environment as well. It's, yeah. So, and it's also more sustainable, exactly. But yeah, there is a concern that is this, is this healthy and that definitely needs, you know, evaluation and uh, legislati legislative power above or above around that. Yeah, to me, that quote really just sounds sort of like fear-mongering. Um, and really, there have been no studies that show that genetically modified organisms will harm you. And I get that it might not be clear 
what will happen in the future, but I guess to me it would be a no-brainer not to let people die right now. Um, yeah, it's just we because don't, you're afraid what might happen later, right? So. Yeah, we don't know what a lot of the things we do will help, how they will affect us in the future, but um, we still do them. So I think if you can choose to save a life now, it's definitely worth it. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of, I would like to go into talking about the ethical aspects are, do we as humans have the right to play God with these organisms that don't occur, say, without our input? Oh, oh that is a good question, definitely. But that, I, I'm going to answer this with another question. Isn't selective breeding kind of the same thing already? I mean, but that is still done or could be possible through sexual reproduction. Here we are talking about putting a gene or a gene sequence from a fish into a strawberry, which wouldn't happen naturally. I mean, the strawberry is tasty, but Chihuahua, on the other hand, looks awful. So, you know, <laughs> that is my question. Is that really that much better in that sense? Especially if we have like those aspects that this... We have a higher chance of feeding our entire population of people mm -hmm. just because we, I think we shouldn't just stop it in, in because we're afraid to play God. While are we really playing God? Um. I don't know. I mean, like this is where the opinions come in, you know, like there is no right or wrong answer for this i feel like we have developed our technology this far and we are able to help a large population of people especially after hitting our 8 billion mark recently genetically modified foods are helping keep our world sustainable right now yeah that, that is true also another argument about um we might be playing god I think many people thought about the same way, maybe about vaccines or, you know, modern medicine in general, that we are, we are getting ourselves, you know, too deep into something. I mean, there are like religious groups who are still not allowing, you know, blood transfer and stuff. So because in, I think in their mindset, that's playing God. But we are doing it on a greater good, right? Yeah. Or are we? For the environment. For the environment. <laughs> you bring up a good point, Hilari, um, that it's a super vague line of what what is playing God and um, like where do we draw that line? Are we as God's creation, and I say that as a not religious um, college 20-year-old student, are we as God's creations permitted to like roam free and like our our actions just like already anticipated by god or like yeah yeah no super like these are all really interesting topics and um but i'd like to before we go on <laughs> i just i just want to ask another question the question is are we causing any harm by you know genetically modifying something are we we are feeding people right 
we're trying to be more environmentally friendly. So even if we are playing God in that sense, we are not causing any harm. And I think that kind of balance it's cancels it's uh, it cancels it out. Would you agree, Johnny? Well, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about whether or not it GMOs will cause any harm, and I mean, my personal take is that they aren't going to, but that might be proven wrong by some unforeseen factor, I guess. Yeah. Well, maybe next time we have to get somebody in here who actually mm-hmm. doesn't like those ideas. A pastor. Maybe, yes. Well, not to say that a pastor is inherently against GMOs. but <laughs> So, so far we've given you guys... Um, an intro on what genetic modification is, how it's different from selective breeding, the pros and cons of genetically modified organisms and kind of the ethical aspects of it and different opinions. Um, And what is a take-home message for today? Um, I'd say... Stay curious. Um, do your research. <laughs> um, learn about what you're consuming. Um, and yeah, and really look into what you believe in and what you're what you're saying. If you like, are the things you're saying true. But to also be aware of the positive environmental impacts, genetic genetically modified organisms and crops have especially for the population that we are currently at and i mean also the more you try them the more we know if they cause any harm so (laughs) (laughs) you're only helping future research (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly but yeah it definitely needs more future research everything needs so but right now it seems it's a very good thing. So as long as we know that, why not try it? Thank you, Hilari and Johnny. This is Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much for listening into our podcast on genetic modification. And I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their day. <laughs>